What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Once a pianistic addict, always a pianistic addict. <laughs> no, but for real, I love keeping my eyes up for new TTC products that I would have found useful on my infertility journey so that I can share them with you guys. Approve, predict, and confirm dual kit is just that. Basically, a pee on a stick addict's dream. You guys, this kit is enough for one full cycle. It has 15 LH strips. You guys know that LH is important for predicting your peak fertility, and it has five PDG strips, which is important for confirming successful ovulation. And doing both of those together, LH and PDG, it just kind of gives you a full picture on ovulation itself. So again, not only is this gonna predict your two most fertile days, but it's also going to confirm successful ovulation at the end of your cycle. And because it includes 15 LH strips, that's enough to test twice a day because we know that LH surges are quick and sneaky. And what's really snazzy is that I have snagged a 20% off discount code. Use LAM20, L-A-M-2-0 for 20% off. And of course, I'll just go ahead and I'll we'll link it in my bio. Predict and confirm, y'all. Predict and confirm. Hello, everyone. We have Emily Henson on today's episode. She is actually on vacation on a balcony. You can slightly hear the ocean in the background. It's pretty amazing, and I'm quite jealous being here in Minnesota. But, Emily, I am just going to toss it at you. Start wherever you would like with your story. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Shelly. I... um like I told you before, I'm just so thankful for you having me on. Um, I discovered your show soon after a search, um, or in a search soon after I had my miscarriage, my first miscarriage, and it has just been super helpful for me during this devastating time. I felt really helpless, and um, I felt guilty, to be honest, and I felt alone, and just being able to uh, find your show on a podcast search was just amazing and, it, and has been super healing for me going through this. So yes, I am on vacation and um, I'm in my happy place down at the, down at the coast and uh, I'm from North Carolina, but we go to the coast all the time in South Carolina and um, it's just, it's amazing. So I'm in my happy place and this has been a big part of my healing process too, is just coming down here to come to our family home down here whenever we can. So um even though I've had like many phone calls and supportive texts from all my friends and family, and I was in so many people's thoughts and prayers during this whole time, um, nothing could get the loneliness that I felt out of my heart when I had a miscarriage. And I, um, I just had my, my first miscarriage back in June of this year. So 2020 <laughs> could not <laughs> be more worse. I feel like the year 2020 could not be more worse. Um, but it truly wasn't until I started connecting with other mamas who have gone through the same experience of having a miscarriage that I felt some sort of like togetherness. And um, I guess I could say, I've, I feel like I'm in a special club now that I never wanted to be a member of, but uh, here I am. So, um, so yeah, I just, I never thought miscarriage would happen to me. And um, I would see like a friend's social media post or a friend of a friend's social media post and you know, sharing their miscarriage story. And I just thought, oh my gosh, I could never survive that. I could never go through with that. Um, and so when we went through ours, when I went through my miscarriage, oh my gosh, I just, I, 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 I just can't believe that I'm, I'm here right now. I can't believe that this is actually happening. So, um, so anyway, I, like I said, I had my miscarriage back in June. I'm still kind of on the healing side of it. I'm still mourning for the loss because we, um, we're, our due date for our baby was supposed to be November 29th of this year. So, um, it's, it's still pretty fresh. It's still pretty new. The, the wound's still there, but I'm, I'm getting through it. And I know that sounds kind of odd to say, but I am getting through it. Um, and you know, it's, it's, it's been tough these past few months, but 
knowing that I have very supportive friends and family on my side, it's just, it's been amazing. So um, I do have one incredible little boy already. We tried for about two years to have our first baby and we had our first baby with no complications. Our pregnancy with that, with our first baby, our son, Andrew was amazing. Um, after we had tried to conceive naturally, we actually, we actually did. I had, um, I had conceived Andrew naturally without anything, you know, even though it was two years of waiting, it was well worth the wait. So we, we uh, had Andrew, everything was perfect. Pregnancy was perfect. Labor and delivery was perfect. I mean, Andrew was seriously the picture perfect story of having a baby. Um, so my husband and I actually wanted to have a baby very soon after that. So we wanted to have another one. We actually enjoyed being parents, which is crazy, right? I mean, nobody really enjoys it at first with the, the crazy newborn stage. So we realized how fun we were having, how much fun we were having, and uh, we loved it. And we wanted to have another baby. So I'm actually a wedding photographer. I own my own business and my husband works in politics. So he has a really crazy work schedule. And so with our first baby, we kind of didn't plan. We just kind of let it happen when it happened. And because we had been waiting for two years to have a baby. So we were just like, okay, when it happens, it happens. And it did. And it happened right. His due date was in May. So uh, I had to cancel a lot of weddings. <laughs> that was really, really bad for me. I had to cancel about nine weddings and I hated that. But um, it, like I said, it was worth the wait. But for the second baby, when we knew we were talking about having another baby, we knew we kind of wanted a plan, I guess. And I'm using quote fingers when I say plan. So we wanted a plan for a baby. Um, and we wanted to plan, plan around better than we did our first baby for this baby. And uh, I've learned through all this that you can't really plan. <laughs> you can't really plan for a baby. A baby just happens, I guess. And um, as much as I'd like to think that I plan, it doesn't really happen. So, um, so anyway, we decided that since it took us a long time to have our first baby, um, I knew that I wanted to try to conceive naturally with our second baby as well. And um, I was doing the ovulation tracking. I am very in tune, especially now after having a baby, I'm very in tune with my body and kind of know when I'm ovulating when my period's about to come, like I'm very in tune with all that. So I knew that we, um, I knew that if we wanted to have a baby by the end of 2020, that we would need to get pregnant, obviously in the, in the beginning. So we were like, okay, uh, you know, January, 2020 comes, we have, we go out and celebrate my 30th birthday. I just turned 30 in January. We go out to celebrate my 30th birthday with a cruise. It's just my husband and I, and we said, when we get back from this cruise, we're going to start to have baby number two, or we're going to start to try to have baby number two. Maybe it will take three, four or five months to have baby number two, but we knew that we wanted to have baby number two by um, end of 2020, early 2021. And at this point, Andrew was about uh, six, seven, eight months old. So um, we didn't think it was going to take <laughs> as short amount of time as it did. And on our first try of trying to conceive baby number two, we, <laughs> we conceived. <laughs> so we ended up having, I ended up being pregnant with baby number two. Um, and I found out actually on my best friend's daughter's birthday that I was pregnant and expecting baby number two. Uh, Andrew, my, my first son was nine months old and I, uh, took a pregnancy test just kind of on the whim. Um, I, like I said, I'm very in tune, in tune with my body. I knew that some things were kind of off. Uh, I could feel that my period was about to start, but it never did. So I took a first response pregnancy test and I, it was one of those like, you know, find out four days sooner kind of test. And I, I was pregnant. It was crazy. Um, I kept the secret from my husband. We ended up going to my best friend's daughter's birthday party. I had this secret. <laughs> I couldn't even tell my best friend. I couldn't tell my husband. It was just crazy. And so um, that was March 14th. And I know you can already start hearing like the dun dun duns because that was the beginning of um, COVID quarantine. So um, that was on a Saturday. I took the pregnancy test on a Saturday. Didn't tell my husband, you know, was kind of excited to surprise him this go around with this baby. And quarantine started, um, or supposedly the, the two week isolation quarantine, whatever you want to call it, was supposed to start on Monday. 
So um, here we are. We're worried about that. We're anxious about quarantine starting. Um, but I've got this big secret. So I had, like, I was busting at the seams with joy and I had to get it out. Like, I had to tell my husband. So we get home from the birthday party. He's like anxious. We're watching all the things on all the news channels about, you know, this COVID mysterious coronavirus thing and talking about lockdown and stuff. And my husband's just super, super anxious. And um, I'm, I'm telling him, I'm reassuring him, honey, I'm positive it's going to be fine. I'm positive we'll be okay. I'm positive that nothing will happen. I'm po so I kept saying I'm positive, I'm positive. And then like I proceed to whip out like the pregnancy test and here we go. <laughs> so it was just crazy. He, you know, he was so anxious and I think I just made him like a million times more anxious with that. But we were excited. We called all of our family and friends. Everything was amazing. I mean, this pregnancy was going to be just like our last. It was going to be picture perfect. Um, you know, I was expecting to have morning sickness, which I did. Um, this pregnancy though, just felt a little bit, um, from the get go, it felt just weird. Like something was off. So with my OB's office, I, um, am able to go in or actually our OB, our, my OB office, they actually wait for you to, to have like your eight weeks gestation, I guess they wait for your eight week gestation. So during my first pregnancy, it was like crazy. I was like so anxious during that time. I was like, am I really pregnant? I would take like so many pregnancy tests during that time. But this pregnancy was different. I was confident. I felt good. I knew that the baby was there. I, I just, I, it was just different, you know? And so um, I guess being a mama um, already just kind of made this confidence in me build up. And um, so at my eight week appointment, I went in and uh, we had the ultrasound. I think that's per usual for an eight week appointment. And we went in and I, what we thought, we thought I was eight weeks along, but actually I was six weeks along. So that was kind of strange to me at first. Um, but I was six weeks along. So six weeks, I think in like four days or something. And uh, the ultrasound technician, she's a a sweet, sweet girl. She's, I, I had her the entire time with my first pregnancy and she was looking and she found the heartbeat and she was all, you know, so cute about it and stuff. And she was expecting a little baby of her home. So we were, we were talking about that anyway. Um, so, you know, everything was good. Baby looked great. We heard the heartbeat. I think it was like 160 or so. It was like really high. So I was thinking, Oh my gosh, this could be a girl, you know? And, um, everything felt normal. You know, they told me to come back in four weeks and that would have been my 12 week appointment. But since I was two weeks behind, it was, I was actually 10 weeks. So that waiting was really, really hard for me. Nobody ever tells you how hard the, the waiting in between appointments are like, by the way. So uh, no one ever tells you that that's, that's the hardest part, I think. But I went in for my 10 week appointment and everything was great. At my last appointment, the ultrasound tech said, hey, we're going to have to have another ultrasound at your, at your 10 slash 12 week appointment um, because the baby's too small to hear on Doppler. So we're going to have to have another ultrasound, but no worries. Everything's good. So I come into that 12 week appointment. Like I said, I was measuring 10 weeks behind. We all knew that, but um, I went into my appointment for my ultrasound and um, we did the ultrasound first before I met with my OB and everything was good. I mean, this is where it gets a little, this is where it starts getting weird. Everything was good. Um, the ultrasound techs measured everything, said everything looked fine. Everything looked normal. And then um, I went back, I, I was done with my ultrasound and I went into my OB's office and they did the, you know, the regular screenings, like the vital signs and all that kind of good stuff. And then the ultrasound tech knocked on the door and said, I might need her for one more minute. So I was like, okay. At this point I was like, okay, something's weird, but you know what? I'm not going to, I'm not going to fight it. So I went in back into the ultrasound room. We did another ultrasound and she measured, um, she was particularly like looking at this one measurement kind of near the baby's head. And I could, I mean, it was weird. Like I could see, I, I, I kind of knew what, where she was, I guess. Everything was fine. She was kind of silent. She didn't say anything. And then I went back into the OB's office um, thinking we were good. Well, my OB and I have a really, really great relationship. I call her my mama in a, in a lab coat because she, in a white coat, because she is definitely like my mama. She is amazing. 
And, um, you know, with, with the quarantine happening, this whole COVID chaos going on, we had talked and I said, gosh, you know, I'm, I'm so thankful that I, I, I have to only really deal with just worrying about COVID during this pregnancy. And I feel like I kind of ate my words at that moment because she was like, well, listen, I don't want to put any fear in you. I don't want to put any worry in you, but I do want you to know that we have found um, some abnormal measurements on the back of baby's neck. And she's like, I don't think it's anything to be worried about at the moment. I think you're fine, but um, let's, let's go ahead and have a specialist check you out. So I left her OB office and um, I called the specialist, the maternal fetal medicine specialist, and I got an appointment for, this was on a Wednesday. It was May, I think May 8th or May 6th. It was the Wednesday before Mother's Day. So before my very first Mother's Day, I'm getting this, uh, I'm getting this um, news. So I make my appointment with maternal fetal and I go the way our maternal fetal is there's only one specialist for my health group, um, in, in the city. So I had to go into the city and, um, uh, that was the Friday before mother's day. So Friday of mother's day weekend, we go in and of course I'm all alone per COVID guidelines and everything. I go in and um, everything seems normal at first. They're measuring the baby. Baby's measuring at 10 weeks in a couple days. Um, and then the regular ultrasound tech that's at um, MFM is saying, you know what, I'm going to go grab the doctor and have him come in. So at that point, I was like, okay, something, something's up. The doctor comes in, does his few things, like you know, looking at the screen, doing a few adjustments and such, on the ultrasound and he looks at me and he says, I'm sorry to have to tell you this, but your baby's not going to survive. Your baby is not going to survive. And that just literally crushed me. I mean, I was, I didn't know what to do. And in fact, right now I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it, just thinking about those words because I was all alone. Um, I thought it, my pregnancy was going to be picture perfect like it was before. I never thought that miscarriage would happen to me. And here's this doctor that I don't even know, never even met saying your baby's going to die pretty much. Your baby's not going to survive. So he told me that, um, and I think he could tell that I was very confused <laughs> and I wasn't processing this information good enough because he asked me to call my husband. And so my husband was in the car waiting in the, in the, in the parking deck. And so my husband came up through the back entrance and we kind of looking back on it now, we kind of felt um, like we were breaking the law or something, you know, but my husband was there and he told us that our baby had what they call um, some, some kind of syndrome that they call fetal high drops. And it was basically where, um, and that was a motorcycle going past. <laughs> if you heard that, I'm sorry. But um Anyway, our baby had fetal high drops, which is basically, as he described it, a space suit around the baby where fluid um, is in between the baby's skin and organs. And it just kind of lifts the baby's skin up and it has like this space suit around the entire baby. And that pretty much is an indicator um, that it has a chromosomal abnormality to it. Something, something's not right. And obviously it's gonna, the baby's not gonna survive. So we were given that news on the Friday before Mother's Day, and I was just crushed. Um, I went home after that. I mean, basically, my husband, he, before we left the office, my husband goes, what are the chances that our baby's healthy? Like, what, what are the chances that she miscarries? And the doctor's like, 99.9%. Well, I went home. I was crushed. We had our first Mother's Day. We had the first Mother's Day weekend everything was okay. I mean, we were, we were given this news, but I just felt like something was just, I just, I just didn't feel right. Like my gut, my motherly instinct, I guess you could call it, just didn't feel right. So I said to my husband, I said, Philip, we need to have another opinion. Like I need to have, I need to know, like I'm, we either need to confirm this or at least get another opinion. So, um, I said, we need to do everything we can to, to see what's going on here. If not for this baby, then for future baby, for future pregnancies, for future babies. Cause this, I mean, how is this happening? Why is this happening? So on Monday after Mother's Day, I go into my OB's office. My OB, obviously she knows she's, she's given all the notes from this. Um, oh, and by the way, I must back up. 
they found on the back of the baby's neck that fluid, I think that it's called neurotransparency fluid, neural transparency fluid. Um, basically, the measurement of that is kind of an indication of uh, a chromosomal abnormality, particularly Down syndrome. Um, so at the specialist appointment, that measurement behind the baby's neck, that fluid was measuring seven millimeters. Okay. Like it crazy insane, like huge. And, um, so at, at on, after my mother's day weekend, I go into my OB's office on Monday. So this is like, I think like the 11th or something now, like I'm, I'm bad with dates. I go in on that Monday and I say, what can we do to figure out what's going on? My OB suggests that we do the blood, the blood work, which I had denied before, but we do the blood work to see. And so we did that and um, my labs were drawn. And then um, that, that later that week on Thursday, I get a phone call or actually, I'm sorry, on Friday, but it doesn't really matter. But on Friday, my OB calls me and she says, Emily, I have great news for you. Um, I knew that your son's birthday was coming up because my son's birthday was the week after mother's day. So his first birthday was coming up and, um, she says, I wanted to take you into this weekend with some good news. Um, your lab results came back and it seems like there's no chromosomal abnormalities that, you know, that is there, I guess. I mean, I don't really know the wording for that, but she was like, we see no abnormalities on, um, the blood, the blood test. Um, everything looks normal to us. And, you know, she knew that I was going to go in for a second opinion. She's like, once we get your second opinion, we'll take the next step. So I was like, oh my gosh, it's great news. Like we're, this is good. This is good. Um, so my son's birthday was that next weekend. We were given great news for that. So we had such a better weekend that, that time. And then our second opinion was scheduled for the Wednesday after. So here we are. So uh, two weeks later, after the, the first original, um, I guess, diagnosis or whatever you want to call it with maternal fetal, I go into maternal fetal again. And at this point, I am 12 weeks. Yeah, 12 weeks. Um, so 12 weeks, like for real gestation, like measuring 12 weeks, babies at 12 weeks. And um, I go into maternal fetal and same kind of thing. I'm by myself and my husband's in the car. I go in and the nurse is talking to me. She's great. Um, I think, I, I think her name was hope or something. It was some kind of grace or hope, something like that. I forget. And I feel awful not remembering now, but I go in and she's talking to me and she's looking at everything and doing all the routine measurements. And she's saying everything looks good. And then, um, she says, let me go grab the doctor. And at that point I'm having, you know, this is the same that's going on. The, the second doctor, the second opinion doctor comes in way different than the first um, his bedside manner was just amazing, incredible, and just so sweet. And, um, he comes in, he does his measurements. He looks at the screen, he sees everything and he goes, I really and truly don't see what this, what the first doctor saw. He's like, I don't see it. Um, your baby looks actually healthy and good. Um, he said, your baby, you know, has a few, has some measurements behind the neck, but nowhere near you know, the seven millimeters, he's like, we're talking like point, I think like at that point, it was like 0 0.3, 0 0.03 or something like very, very small, like not even really abnormal range, kind of within average range. And uh, he didn't see any of the fetal high drops in nothing of that space suit, all of that had kind of gone away. Um, so it was, it was truly a miracle. I mean, at that point, I'm sitting there thinking like, oh my gosh, our prayers have been answered. Our, our, everyone that's been praying for us has been, I mean, it's been answered. Everything's, this is good. This is, we're getting back to like picture perfect, you know, that picture perfect pregnancy. And, um, so he, he said, you know, the chance, so my husband again is in the room with us because obviously I'm like not processing this stuff. So my husband comes in, um, and they tell him and the chances of us having a healthy baby boy on November 29th are like pretty high. So we left that second opinion appointment on like cloud nine. I mean, just such, such a different outlook, different outcome. I mean, we just, we had such a, I mean, it was just like, it was like we found out we were pregnant again kind of thing. We just, it was amazing.
Um, so the next step I, I called, or actually, no, I didn't even call my OB. My OB reached out to me because my OB, um, uh, called me and was like, Oh my gosh. And she goes, your, uh, fetal specialist called me and told me he had never seen anything like it. Um, that, you know, these results, like hearing what we had and then, you know, what we, what we were going through, he was like, it was a miracle. He had never seen anything like it. Um, it was just insane. So my OB actually, it was so significant that my OB actually reached out to me and was like, this is great news. I'm so happy for you, Emily. Your prayers have been answered. Like, this is awesome. We'll see you in four weeks um, for your normal routine visit. And so, I mean, I, like I said, I was just on cloud nine. We, everybody was, my whole family was, I mean, we were just, it was amazing, amazing news. So um, in fact, Hope, the, the nurse, Hope or Grace, we're going to call her Hope. The nurse with my second opinion doctor, she, we were talking afterwards after the doctor left and everything. And I was like overjoyed. She was like, yeah, you know, it, had you not had that second ultrasound at 10 weeks, you probably would have never seen this. And it probably would have just fixed in utero on its own. And I think she was right. I think, you know, I, I wasn't supposed to have that ultrasound at 10 weeks because technically I was supposed to be 12 weeks, but since I was measuring two weeks behind. So um, I know it's really confusing. It kind of even gets me confused, but, you know, she said, you probably wouldn't even have found this. It probably would have fixed on its own. So you've probably, we've probably all worried for nothing that it's fixed itself in utero. And I mean, I've got a hand to her. She's kind of right. You know, she, it I, we worried for these four weeks for over, you know, something that we thought was going to be devastating, but then turns around and in our second opinion, everything's great. Everything's normal. So my OB and I decide that we would wait four weeks until I was measuring 16 weeks to come back. So after my first trimester, I come back into our office and um, at this point, you know, I'm, I'm having, I'm ha like it's, it's quarantine. So obviously like we're baking banana bread and having all the things, all the unhealthy things during quarantine. I probably gained, you know, that I think I gained like 15 pounds. I mean, it was awful. I shouldn't have, but you know, I just was giving into all those cravings and stuff. And so, um, quarantine had hit and, uh, I just, I was having the cravings. I was having, you know, uh, wanting to eat all the things cause we were, we were stuck inside and, um, you know, it, it was just, it was, it was insane. But my first trimester, you know, I, I had the morning sickness, but it wasn't super bad. Um, but like I said, I did kind of overindulge and uh, definitely took full advantage of being pregnant, especially during quarantine. So first trimester was over. I go into my 16 week appointment and I'm just feeling on cloud nine thinking everything's okay. In fact, I could start feeling the baby kick. Um, those little flutters, you know, those, when you're first, when you were first pregnant, you don't really know what those flutters are, but when, after you've been pregnant, once you kind of feel them, you know what to expect and you know what you're, you know what you're hearing. So, uh, or know what you're feeling. I mean, and so I could kind of start feeling the baby just like, you know, kind of, I don't know, maybe, maybe it was a baby. I'm thinking it was a baby. I hope it was a baby, but I could feel those flutters. I could feel that movement. Um, and so at, nothing was odd. I mean, I didn't feel different. I didn't feel anything weird. Like it wasn't out of sorts for me. So I went into my 16 week appointment and my, uh, my OB comes in with the Doppler. She's all smiley faced and happy and so excited to see me. Gives me a big old hug despite we have masks on and we're COVID, you know, trying to do all that. And uh, so she lays me back on the table and she starts checking with the Doppler for the heartbeat. She can't find it. And she says, you know what? Normally these things happen. Baby's still super small underneath this pelvic bone or whatever, you know, she says, normally this is, this is, this is okay. It's okay. Don't worry. Let's go get you into ultrasound. So, um, you know, I never having a miscarriage before and didn't think anything of it. So we go into ultrasound and my OB's there with me. She's holding my hand through the whole thing. I told you, she's like my mama, mama in a lab coat. And, uh, she's holding my hand th through the whole thing. 
and I just see her head kind of dip. Like she's just like, like she shook her head um, when the screen comes on. I didn't know what they were looking for, looking at. And uh, she told me, she's like, Emily, the baby's, the baby's no longer there. The baby has no heartbeat. And um, it was, it was, it, it crushed me, crushed me. And here I am, you know, laying on this, on this ultrasound room. And uh, I have a great support team with me as, with my OB, but I'm all alone. And because my husband's not with me, we didn't think he should go because we got such great news and he couldn't go in anyway because of COVID. So he, I'm, I'm by myself. And, um, my, my doctor told me that I handled it pretty well because I was, I was trying to remain calm and remain strong. And so, um, they said that the baby was measuring 15 weeks. Um, they, they went in and, or they, you know, did the measurements on the screen and she wanted to know when the baby was measuring and she said 15 weeks. So that was really hard. I was trying to replay back, you know, within that past week, what, what did I do? Like, what had I done differently? Like, was it, you know, did I walk too much on my, on my daily walk? Did I overexert myself? Like, what was it? What did I do wrong kind of thing? So I was thinking all that, like right in that moment. Um, and it was just, I mean, I'm still kind of numb from it to be honest, but I call my husband and I tell him he comes home immediately we just, I mean, it was just awful. We just cry and cry and cry. And it was just, it was, it was hard, very, very hard. Um, and meanwhile, I have this at right now, uh, <laughs> or at this point I have a one-year-old. So I'm trying to kind of stay strong for him too. Um, and you know, my OB decides, she tells me, she, she walks me through like my different options. And she says at this point, at this late in the game with your, with your pregnancy, uh, DNC is probably what you need to do. And so I went with her suggestion and, um, we, my husband and I, we have a lot of celebrations. <laughs> apparently my husband and I celebrated our five-year anniversary. Um, we found out that we miscarried on a Friday, June, June 4th, I think. Anyway, I don't know the dates, but we found out we miscarried on like a Thursday. Yeah, th definitely Thursday. And we were going out of town back to the beach um, on Friday. So I told my uh, OB, I said, you know, she wanted to know when we, when we were to schedule the DNC. And I told her that I wanted to go out of town with my husband and spend time with him um, and celebrate our five-year anniversary without thinking about or without, you know, this. So we needed to wait till we got back into town. So um, my, that weekend was really, really hard. We did come to the beach. I was in my happy place, but um, it, it was hard to know that on Monday I was to come back and we were supposed to have a DNC when I came back. So we left on Friday. I actually had to go, we had to detour and take a COVID test. Uh, before my DNC on Monday. So we had to like go to a hospital on Friday before we left, take a COVID test. And then we self quarantined at the beach house. Um, we didn't go anywhere. It was, it's our family house. So it's okay. You know, don't get mad. But uh, we, we came to the beach and just kind of did our thing um, for that weekend for our anniversary weekend. And on Monday morning, we, I, I go into the hospital and I have my DNC and, um, over the weekend, I had thought, you know, the, my biggest thought was, okay, I have this baby. This baby is, is not alive. I'm, I'm carrying a dead baby. Like it just, it was awful. I just, I couldn't, you know, um, over the, over the weekend, my biggest thought was, what are they going to do with the baby? What's going to happen to the baby when they, when they, when it gets pretty much, I mean, I know it sounds graphic, but when it gets scraped out of me what are they going to do? And so in my, in my head, I was thinking they're just going to toss it in some like biohazard, you know, like trash bin or something. Like I was so anxious about that, like what they were going to do. So I had a friend of mine reach out to me. She knew that I was really worried about that. And so she contacted a couple different places and found out that we could request the remains and we could have them, um, uh, we could have it, what's the word when, uh, anyway, we could have, um, what is it when you get, 
uh, cremated. Oh, yes, yes, thank yes, you. Yes. Oh yep. my gosh, thank you. Brain fart right there. <laughs> cremated. You're right. Um, so my friend reached out to a couple places, and she said that um, funeral homes would take the remains and cremate the remains, and we would have the remains. And so I was like, "This is this is my baby." you know, this is, this, I want to do that. Like, let's do this. Like, let's, so, um, when I went in on, on Monday for my DNC, I made it a point. I wanted to make sure that they had, they got the remains and that, you know, they knew that the funeral home that we had, we had enlisted to help us, you know, got the remains. And, um, I also wanted to have a biopsy done on like, what was, I wanted to have the, the baby's body like biopsy to see what was going on with, you know, what, how did this happen? If there was no chromosomal abnormality found in the, in the blood testing, then what was this? And so, um, my nurses for my DNC, they were amazing and incredible. And, oh my gosh, I couldn't have asked for better people to prep me for my surgery and for people to, you know, my nurses that helped me get out of surgery, but they, um, in fact, (laughs) I think we're all Instagram friends, which is kind of weird, but kind of awesome at the same time. Um, one of my nurses said that she had never seen somebody, a, a mis- somebody that was going through a miscarriage ask and be so, so much of an advocate for the baby's remains. Like she, she was like in all, in all this, like, she's like, you're one of the first people that has ever asked to have the remains of their, of their baby. Like I, I didn't even think that was like a, a weird thing, you know, like, I mean, is it, I don't know if it was weird or not, but I knew that I wanted to make sure that this baby was, I mean, this is, a, this is our baby, you know, this is, this was our baby. So um, she thought that that was really neat that I advocated for that um, and made sure that um, we had the remains. So we did have the remains cremated and um, in a way that kind of felt like a little bit of a closure. Um, but after my DNC, um, I, uh, when I was then post-op, I came out of my DNC fine um, as far as getting off the anesthetic, and, um, but I was kind of sick. Um, and so what would have only taken me about 45 minutes to get, get over with, I guess, with post-op or whatever they said, it took me about five hours in post-op. Um, I just, I don't know what it was, but something just, I just didn't come out of it, I guess, clearly enough or, or good enough, I guess. I don't know what the word would be, but um so, uh, yeah, my, my doctor comes in, my, my OB comes in and she tells me that I had a partial molar pregnancy. Now I had never heard of a partial molar pregnancy. I didn't even know what a partial molar pregnancy was. And so she explained to me what a partial molar pregnancy was. And it was, and I, I'm not going to do it justice because there's only so many Google searches and definitions I can find on it. And before I get like to the point where I don't even want to know anymore, but basically it's like a, a, a kind of cancerous tissue that takes over in the placenta and it takes over the baby. And it, it, the timeline was spot on about 16 weeks, 15, 16 weeks is when it, um, when it, when a partial molar kind of takes a hold of the baby and, and, uh, eventually takes over. So, um, this partial molar was a surprise and a shock, and it's still something that I'm dealing with right now because every Friday since my miscarriage, I've had to go, I have to, I've had to go in and have my HCG levels checked. And I'm, I think that's pretty common with a lot of miscarriages, but um, mine's a little, a little wonky because I've had to have my HCG levels checked, and, and they've gone down, but not incredibly like fast, like where my doctor would want me to have them at right now. So we're looking at a couple months out from my miscarriage and I still have HCG in my system. Um, so my body still kind of thinks, I guess my body still thinks that I'm pregnant. Um, so, you know, in a way getting the, getting the, the baby's remains and getting cremated was a bit of a closure, a stage of closure for me, but because I'm still getting my HCG levels checked, that's not really, you know, it's not really over. And since we haven't reached the due date yet, it's still not over. I I feel like this, the mourning process will never be over. Let's just face it. I feel like it will never be over. But um, in this case, it just kind of drags out, you know, I've had friends that have had miscarriage, two miscarriages, I've had a girlfriend who had two miscarriages 
during my, this whole process, since, since I found out that I was um, expecting and, and uh, lost our baby. And, you know, she's been able to try again. Her doctor has said, yeah, you can try after, you know, so many weeks. Well, our doctor is kind of, our OB is saying, you know, let's be careful because this is such a rare partial molar pregnancy. It's a very, very rare case. Um, and obviously you still have HCG in your system. We're going to wait to even think about conceiving six months after your HCG level goes to zero. So we're not even at that point yet. So our OB was saying we could have, we could possibly wait up to a year to even try again, conceive again. So I guess, you know, we're, like I said, we're still in this process. I'm still in this morning process, but it, it's, it's getting easier um, but I know that as the due date approaches, it's going to be very, very hard for me. Um, just because I'm, I'm still in that mourning process and I'm going to be mourning the, you know, the, oh, the, we could have had a baby or this would have been the day that we brought our baby home. You know, um, we could have had two under two and all, all the things. And, um, I guess what I miss most is the person, the woman I was before I dealt with a miscarriage. I miss that that like just I guess being naive like I miss I miss that feeling of you know oh everything's gonna be fine everything's gonna be perfect I'm not scared about being pregnant this is great like yay I miss that like glow I guess um and I'm scared I'm scared to have another baby I'm scared I don't want my son to grow up as an only child but I'm at the point where I'm like okay maybe I'm good with one I don't want to go through this again I can't go through this again I didn't think I could survive a miscarriage in the first place when I would see others post I was like nope not I would never be able to go through that I'm not strong enough I'm I would be a, an emotional ball of just it would be awful I would I would I couldn't survive it but now that I'm going through it I realize that I am stronger and I, and I am dealing with it and it's okay, but I'm still really, really, really scared to even try to have another baby. Um, so it's just, this, this has been a wild ride for me, but um, like I mentioned earlier, the, the thing that has helped me the most is just knowing that number one, I'm not alone. So many women have reached out, like they came out of the woodworks to, to reach out to me and say, hey, I've gone through this too. Um, let me know if I can help you in any way. Um, you know, this is tough. Like, if you need anything, let me know. And every single woman, every single woman that has reached out to me that has gone through a miscarriage, they know. Like, it's just, it's just a crazy, crazy thing to experience. Like I, like I said, it's like being a member of a club. It's like a sisterhood or something, you know? I mean, that has been super helpful for me. Um, also knowing that I think the biggest thing for me too was that, you know, when I pushed for having my baby, um, having my baby's remains given to us through cremation, that was a huge thing for me. It was kind of like I had that closure in a sense, I guess. So we have his remains in like a little jar in our, in our, in our, you know, living room where it's, you know, kind of memorialized, I guess you could say. And, you know, that's been really, really helpful for me. But, you know, and then just, just having that support system. So I think that's a big thing too, is just knowing that you have a support system behind you is a huge um, help for me with my miscarriage and going through my miscarriage. Um, but the things that I hate about miscarriage is like, you know, I was told, I, I was told we had a, um, I was told we had a miscarriage on Thursday um, and then on Friday, we were called to set up the, or yeah, to set up the appointment for my DNC. And they asked me point blank, well, how do you want to pay for this? And I was like, what? Like, you're not letting, like, where's the sensitivity there? Like where, you know, how, how, why would you say this to a mother who's going through this? Like, why would you say, how do you want to pay for this? Like right off the bat. So that was crazy and hard to deal with. Um, other things that are hard to deal with too are like people that um, knew that I was pregnant but haven't really talked to me. And then kind of, you know, I had one a woman reach out from my dentist's office, knew that I was pregnant, and that's why I had to cancel my appointment. Reached out to schedule another appointment, and she's like, "How are you doing with your pregnant? Like, how's the baby? How are you doing? Like, when you know?" So that was really hard too. Um, also, opening up all the pregnancy apps that you use when you're uh, 
when you're expecting and then when you're pregnant you you or when you when you lose a baby and you open those back up you're like oh my gosh you're hit with that that was hard um but yeah it just it's it's just it's an insane same thing I never thought that I would I would survive it but here I am and it is something that you know I'm surviving with I'm, I'm not thriving but I am surviving with it um, but I'm just super scared about getting pregnant again. But, um, I think another good thing too was, you know, another way that I, I found miscarriage, I guess this miscarriage bearable is that we did find out the sex of the baby too. And that was a huge relief for me. We didn't find out the sex of the baby when I was first pregnant with my son. We waited until actual birthday to find out. Um, and I've never been one to have like a gender reveal or anything like that. So I was kind of, um, I was kind of antsy, you know, with the second baby. I was like, no, we're going to do it. We're going to, we're going to find out on birthday, find out on birthday. But another thing I did want to know, I did want to know what the sex of the baby was with this baby. Um, and we did, we found out that it was another little boy. And so putting a name to that, to our baby, we named him Henry Wayne after our grandpas and, um, you know, just putting a name to this, to this loss and being able to share with our family and friends, you know, we, we don't want to be quiet about this baby. We want people to ask us how we're doing. We want our son to grow up knowing that he does have a brother in heaven. So when I say that I'm a mama, I say that I'm a mama to one boy here on earth that I'm constantly chasing around and one boy, one angel in heaven. So um, it doesn't matter what stage you are in pregnancy with a baby. When you see that pregnancy test, that positive pregnancy test and look down and see those two lines, you're a mama right then and there like that your life, your world changes, you know? So it um, doesn't matter when you experience a loss and loss is still a loss. And um, it's just, it's, it's been crazy. It's been a wild ride, but I'm thankfully, hopefully getting through it and just um, kind of still counting down the days to due date and waiting for that. And that will, I feel like be our first little milestone um, in the morning process, but we will get through it. So that's my story. I mean, it's crazy. It's a wild ride, but that's, that's pretty much it. So no, I hope I, I didn't ramble too much. No, you did great. And I, I honestly don't feel like I even have to ask this, but if you have one piece of advice for somebody in a similar situation, what would it be? Not that you haven't given enough. <laughs> well, I, um, gosh, you know, yeah. I mean, there's, there's different touch points, like the different things that I mentioned about like you know, really advocating for your baby, you know, remains if you, if you want that, you know, asking for the, the footprints or the, you know, that kind of thing. If, if you want that kind of thing, that's a big thing for me. I think that's a good way to have closure. Um, mm -hmm. um, putting a name and put, getting, getting, knowing what the baby, knowing that it was a boy or a girl and putting a name to it is also really helpful, but just not being afraid to reach out like when, when you have questions, like I had, um, during all this, like I had questions, um, you know, when I was waiting for ultrasounds between my first opinion and my second opinion kind of thing, I reached out to, um, more women that I had known and experienced miscarriage and loss. And I wanted to see what their stories were. This was, this is prior to finding your podcast, by the way. So, <laughs> so reaching out to women that I know experienced miscarriage, um, was really helpful to me, but I think also like don't be, I think what's really helped me and been therapeutic for me going through this has been talking about it and has been, you know, when, when, if I bring it up, like it's not keeping it closed in my heart. Like, I think that's been a really therapeutic thing for me. So this has been really great. Um, but talking to, about it with friends and, uh, and actually like bringing the baby to life, I guess, in my words and in my thoughts, like putting a name, knowing that our baby was Henry, knowing that our baby was a little boy, knowing that I have, I'm a mom of boys, you know, knowing that and, and, you know, personifying this baby, like making sure that this baby lives through our, our, our words is really, really great. And I think, I mean, I don't know if that's necessarily the biggest piece of advice, but just kind of making sure that you know that you, what, making sure that you kind of know who the baby was, because it is still your baby. It's still your child, no matter if it's, you know, here on earth or in heaven, like it's still, you know, it's still your baby. You want, you want to make sure that, you know, you, 
you can still, you know, love that baby just as much as you would any other baby. So it's, I think that might be my biggest piece of advice is just making sure that you talk about it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't really have much else. I know it was a lot. <laughs> you, gave a, you gave a lot of advice. So I appreciate it. Um, now, if somebody wants to reach out to you, where could they do so? Yeah. So um, like I mentioned before, I am a wedding photographer, uh, wedding and lifestyle portrait photographer. So you can find me on Instagram. That's where I pretty much live my daily life and share. I probably overshare. So I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, not sorry. But uh, um, you can find me at Emmaloo Photos. So E-M-M-A-L-O-O photo. Um, and like I said, I'm on the gram and I'm making those reels like crazy. I love making reels. So uh, do the I. New, yeah, there's so much fun. So I'm like obsessed with Instagram. So you can find me there and feel free to reach out because like I said, I think this community, this, this club, this sisterhood that we're in after experiencing miscarriage, it actually has really helped. In fact, I follow um, a hashtag partial molar pregnancy and it's like it's like, it's very small hashtag, like less than like a hundred images and stuff, but it's like, we all reach out to each other and ask like, Hey, what are your HED levels? How are you feeling? How have you started trying again? That kind of thing. So it's actually been really helpful for me to reach out to that community, um, that specific community. And, uh, it's been great. So Instagram, social media, it's just, it's, it's, it's wonderful. Um, if you need to, to have a community and not feel alone. Awesome. Well, I'll link your Instagram in the description of this episode as well. So good Perfect. luck moving forward, especially you know, with your HCG and yes. getting that back down to where you guys need it to be. And yeah, I, I appreciate you doing this and you'll have to keep us posted. Yes. Well, thank you, Shelly. And I, like I said, I appreciate everything and all, all your hard work on this podcast as well. And um, it does not go unnoticed. We, I, I adore your show and thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, well, I appreciate that. We'll talk soon. All right. Thank you, Shelly. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag my guest so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together.